Our scripture this morning is uh, Psalm number 42, and uh, I'll be reading from the, from the NIV this morning. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mitzar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Please join me in prayer. Holy God, as we come to you in this time, we ask that you move in our hearts, move in our spirits, guide us ever closer to you as we open ourselves up to you and to your moving. Let us feel your presence. Let us feel your urging. What is it that we should take with us from this moment to carry with us throughout the week and beyond? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Psalm 42 is a, it's this cry from a man who has been, uh, been separated from fellowship with, with other believers and, uh, and, from, and from the temple. Um, you know, for the Hebrews, the, the temple was, was the place of worship. That was the place to go to be in the presence of God because the presence of God was in the temple. And so that was the one place they could go to really be in the presence of God. When he says, where can I go and meet with God? That's what he's talking about. Where can I go and actually be in the same place that God is and be in that presence? Now, that seems maybe a little different for, for us because in Christ, we are the temple. In Christ, we have that presence within us, that Holy Spirit, that presence of God that, was, that is within us to make us the temple. So we are free to worship anywhere, at any time, with, with anyone. We have that freedom and ability to worship God wherever we are with whoever we're with. But for them, the temple was the one place that they could be in God's presence and the one place where they could be with God's people and worship together in that moment. So we can kind of get this understanding maybe that why his soul feels so dry, why he feels so separate from God, because he's calling out and saying that he is no, not able to go and be with those people. He's not able to be at the temple where God is. He's separated from God. He's not had the living water of God's presence 
to fulfill him and to fill him and, and to nourish his soul. In verse 3, he says that all, all he has are his own tears in longing for God to nourish him. And to make it worse, he's surrounded by people who believe in other gods or maybe people who believe in no God whatsoever. And in this moment of anguish, this moment of, of uh, suffering, whatever trial he's going through, that he's, he's having these people say, well, where is your God? This God that you believe in, in your moment of, of suffering, in your moment of, of trial that you're going through, this, this season of life that you're facing, facing, where is this God that you believe in? Well, it seems likely that he was, this was probably written during a time where they were in exile, um, where he had to maybe be forced away from the temple. Maybe he was forced away from other believers. They all scattered and was forced away from each other. Maybe a time when he was forced away from, from his life. They're in exile. They were forced to be somewhere separate. That might sound a little similar to us right now. A time when we're forced away from our house of worship. A time when we're forced away from other people. Forced away from our lives. It's not been that long ago that we weren't able to gather in the church with other believers. We're still trying to get back to our lives. So maybe we can kind of understand this a little bit. Even though it was written so long ago, I think we can still connect with this story in, in a certain way that we understand what it's like to not be able to gather together and worship God. And we might even understand a little bit of what it's like to have those who don't believe say those little taunts, well, where is God in all of this? Where is the Almighty, all power, the one true living God? Where is God in all of this? In verse 4, he says, as I pour out my soul, as I just lay bare all the anguish that is within me, I remember days of gathering with my people in the house of the Lord. He says, I remember that we came together and we worshiped God, and it was this great celebration of God's goodness. It was festive, filled with joy and thanksgiving. And this longing to be with God, it's interesting, the memory he has is gathering together to worship together. The joy that was in that moment the celebration, the thanksgiving that all came from gathering with other believers to worship God. In this separation, in his anguish, though, he starts to wonder if God is with him at all. Maybe those little whispers of other people, where is your God in all of this? Are you sure your God's real? Those little taunts, maybe they start to kind of creep into his own mind because in verse 9 he says, God, have you forgotten me? He starts to doubt himself, have those little questions, those moments of doubt of, well, maybe they're right. Have you turned your back on me? That might sound familiar as well to some of us. I think we all have a season of life we go through where we're praying and we're praying and we're reaching out to God and we want to be closer to God and we're enduring through this time and there's a moment where we're like, I don't know if God is even hearing my prayers. God, where are you in this, by the way? And the psalmist, in this moment, speaks encouragement to his own soul. Because he has to. There's no other believers around him. There's no one around him to encourage him and to say, well, let's, 
Let's keep our hope. Let's keep our, let's keep our faith in God and our trust in God. There's no one there to encourage him. He has to encourage his own soul in this moment. So he tells his own soul, remember those happy times of celebrating God. Keep your hope in God. And I'll keep on praising God, hoping that we get back to a place of joy and thanksgiving and celebration like we used to have. You know, when we're in this, when, when we are in a spiritually dry season, when we are in a season that, that, that we feel separate from God and, and we're, we're distant and the things aren't going well in our lives, it's, I think, maybe natural for doubt to kind of creep into our minds. If we feel like God's not hearing our prayers and the longer that we endure through something, I think it's a natural thought for us to think, well, is God actually hearing my prayers? But having that thought is one thing. When we let that doubt grow and grow and grow, it starts to sink into our heart. It starts to affect our souls, and it starts to affect the way maybe we trust in God and have faith in God if we allow that to keep and linger. If we're not careful, it can really affect our relationship and our trust in God, letting those doubts linger and grow in our minds. It may cause us to fall away from God and seek help in places that we're not created to seek help from. There are seasons of life that we go through, seasons with good things and bad things, and kind of like Ecclesiastes says, you know, there's a time for everything, a time to laugh and a time to cry, time to build up and tear down. There's all these seasons that we go through and I believe God allows us to endure all seasons of life. Let me say that a different way. I do not believe that God controls and manages every second of every day of our lives, putting all these things in place. I personally believe that God kind of lets life play out, however life's going to play out. And God has a hand here and a hand there in our lives. But for the most part, I think God lets life kind of play out the way it's going to. The main thing is that no matter what moment of life we are in, God is always there with us, guiding us through that moment in life. Through our Lord Jesus, God is saying, I'm going to guide you through this season, through next season, and on into a greater season beyond. And then we have that presence, the Holy Spirit, pointing us, saying, there's Jesus. Here's where Jesus is leading the way in your life. Here's where Jesus is guiding you through this moment, this season of dryness, so that you may come into a season of joy and celebration. I believe that God is with us in all moments, and God allows us to endure all moments of life and reaches in and is always bringing some kind of encouragement to us through God's own presence and the Spirit. But I think another way that God reaches into our lives to encourage us is through other believers the people around us that we get to worship with, that we get to study the Bible with, or just sit in a small group and visit and connect, be a part of each other's lives with. You know, the presence of God in you is not just to lead you in your life. It's also to be an encouragement to me in my life. And vice versa. The presence of God in me guides me and directs me in my life and which way I am to go how I'm supposed to live my life, but it is also given to me to be an encouragement to those around me as well. Because we are created to be together. Our God, we believe, is three persons in one, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in this, in this God who is three in one, they have this deep, intimate relationship between each other. And that's the image in which we are created, right? 
We are created in the image to have deep, meaningful relationship with God. But if we are all created in that image, we are all created to have deep, meaningful relationship with each other as well. That's the way we are created, to have each other in life. So as we're, as we're living this life and asking God to be a part of our lives and come into every moment, and we praise God and celebrate God for the times of joy and wonder, wonderful moments, like yesterday when my daughter hit a home run in the softball game. I'm going to just throw that in there. <laughs> if you saw the video on Facebook, on Facebook Dad kind of lost it. Dad was pretty excited. He was very joyful in that moment. They're not all that, that wonderful, though, are they? Some moments are not so joyful. And God is there. But people are there also. I find it interesting that when the psalmist is recognizing his life with God is not right, something is not right, something is missing, he is separate, and he says, God, I thirst for you. I long for you, O oh God. So I'm going to draw upon this memory, and the memory he goes to is when he gathered with other believers because they are hand in hand. This is the way in which we are created. We are created to, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but we are also created to do that together in our worship. We are created to do that together in our service. In discipleship, Jesus calls us to follow him, but he doesn't say, you follow me and nobody else. He says, you follow me together. He didn't have one disciple. He had 12 close ones, and then he had a whole bunch of others that all followed him, crowds that followed him together. That's the way we are created, to do this together. And maybe it's just me, but I think right now we are so thirsty for God in our lives. I think the church, and I don't just mean our church, Cameron UMC, I mean the church in general, is not as close with God as we need to be. I think we need to be much closer with God right now than, than we truly are. And after all we've been through this last year and a half with the separation, the isolation, the conflict, the division, everything that we have seen and experienced in this last year, I think it's worn us out. It's maybe made us a little bitter. And maybe through it all, we've kind of lost our passion for life with God and each other. And maybe we've tried to seek a way to just have relationship with God. As we now strive to get back to some kind of happier season of life, it just feels like our souls are so dry and so thirsty. We long for some kind of deeper relationship with God. And the little bit of worship maybe we've been able to get has been enough to get us through and been enough to help us endure this last season, but maybe not enough to truly make us feel alive inside. Not enough to really make us feel like we are a part of something bigger than this. My concern is that as we get that in our desire for more joyful days, as in our, our desire to come out of this last season and get to a happier season of life, we may start seeking joy in the wrong places. As the world is opening back up and we, we, try to, to, we may try to find our joy in things or events that cannot sustain the joy that we're seeking in our lives. 
I don't think it was wrong to go to a softball game yesterday. I'm glad I did. I don't think it's wrong to go on vacations to have that, that respite, that time of, of rest. It's not wrong to go to a Royals game either, by the way. But if that's where we're seeking to find the joy in our life, then we're finding joy in the wrong places because God is the source of our joy. We can worship anywhere, anytime. We have that presence of God within us. But when we try to use these other sources and other things and events and other ways of, of bringing joy into our life, we're missing out on that worship. We're missing out on that connection with God and with other believers. And we're finding a joy that will not sustain us, and we're going to find ourselves dry and frustrated all over again. And we're going to say, God, where are you? Things are supposed to be good. We're getting back, back to life, quote-unquote, right? We're, we're getting back to the way we used to live, back to normal, maybe. As all of this is happening, it's supposed to be getting better, right? But somehow I still feel dry inside. I still feel frustrated that I'm not connected with you the way I need to be. God, where are you? And Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, that's where I will be. Maybe that's where we need to be also. Where the other believers are gathering in the name of Christ to worship the one true God that brings living water into our lives and nourishes us so that we can feel alive inside. So that we can feel like we are a part of a body created to worship God and serve God. Having that presence of God does allow us to worship anywhere, anytime, but sometimes I do think that we use that truth to justify our neglect of worshiping with other believers. I think sometimes we, we believe, I can worship God anywhere, even from my, from my living room. I can worship God at a ball field. I can worship God anywhere at any time, and that is true. We can, but we're not created to worship God alone. We are created to worship God with other believers, singing songs together, praising God together. And when we neglect our worship together, we actually neglect the spiritual need of congregation, of fellowship that we need to have in our lives. That's the way we are created. So to deny ourselves the gathering together we are actually denying ourselves a spiritual need that we have to be a part of God's people created in God's image. Now, online worship is a thing right now, right? And it's been a very important thing for the last year and a half. It's been maybe the one thing that has helped us endure this season in our own lives. It's been so beneficial to so many people. And it's not going away. It's here to stay, and for very important reasons, it's here to stay. But if we're worshiping online and not able to gather together, then maybe we also need to find ways of online fellowship. We still need that connection. We still need that way of, of being with other believers. So if we're not gathering in worship, maybe we need to find ways of gathering in Bible study, in small group online as well. And by the way, when I say we, I don't mean we, me and Dan Brown. I mean we, the church. 
Because that doesn't fall on just me and Dan. That falls on us as the body, making sure that others are being a part of the body, connecting and growing in Christ, growing in faith and trust and in discipleship. We need fellowship. We need fellowship in worship, fellowship in in growing in our faith, and we need that encouragement. The psalmist didn't have that, right? The psalmist had to try to find ways of encouraging his own soul because there wasn't other believers around there to encourage him. If we would just stop and we would think, maybe when was the time that I felt closest to God in my life? What was the most joyful, wonderful time in my life where I just felt like God was just alive and the Spirit was moving in my, in my heart? And just, there was this, this wonderful celebration of life and God's goodness all around. If we would think of that moment, we would probably be like the psalmist and we would remember a time of coming to church. And we can probably picture folks singing together. Maybe we remember a Bible study or a small group we were a part of and sharing and encouraging each other in that moment. Or Maybe we'd remember serving each other in, in ministries, at church functions, and outreach events. If we stop and think, what was the, the greatest moment of my life and my relationship with God where I just felt the most alive I think immediately our minds will probably go to a time when the church was a big part of our life because that's the way we are created. We're created to do life together with each other and with our God. For over a year, we've had to deny our spirit that nourishment of fellowship. And as the world continues to open up and and get back to life, I think it's important that we remember who is the source of our joy, God, and also realize it's not coincidence that our joy is increased when we gather together as God's people worshiping God together, when we gather as God's people studying God's word together, when we gather as God's people listening to each other's stories, praying for each other, and encouraging each other to continue with God, keep that faith, keep that hope, and endure with each other until we reach a happier season of life. That's the way we were created. That's what we need to get back to as we get back to life. Amen. If you please uh, join me in prayer. Holy God, we, we are thankful that you are with us in all seasons. Even those moments that we are praying and maybe we doubt if you're listening, deep down we know you are. Those moments when it seems like maybe you have forgotten us, deep down we know you have not. We thank you that your presence is with us in all those moments. How wonderful it is that you have created a body of people to be with us in all seasons. That you have created within us a need for fellowship, a need to be a part of a bigger body, worshiping you, praising you, serving you in this world. Guide our hearts and spirits, Lord, as we thirst, as we long for you, to seek you in fellowship with others and in fellowship with you. Amen.